0: beautifully magnificent people welcome one and all old new young welcome to another very very late episode of this arts podcast I'm your host Amina and this is my podcast where our motto is to be unapologetically intentional again in the spirit of being unapologetically intentional this is not an apology but rather more of a comment you know uh, an announcement on you know that the fact that I'm late this is not an apology so take it as you would like to take it anyway updates um, I hope everyone is doing magnificently well and has been doing awesome this past three weeks um, updates in my life again these past few months have been really busy with school and work and it's just been a whole lot and Honestly, I've gotten to the point where waiting to reserve a space in my library's recording room has become a nuisance. So now the next step is I am planning to invest in a microphone. That's how much I love all of you. And I love this podcast. I'm going to invest in a microphone because I've decided that, you know, sometimes you just have to take the ball by the horn. And I'm taking this bull by the horn, and I'm just gonna invest in one so I can record whenever I damn well please. Because it is getting really frustrating. They've like there's so many new students on my campus, and so recording this space literally, uh, uh, sorry, booking this space literally is like such a hassle. Um, so yeah, that's like updates regarding this podcast. I'm buying, I'm investing in a microphone. So stay tuned for. Next steps. Um since last I saw you or since last <laughs> I didn't see you. Since last I spoke to you, nothing really again, it's just been really busy with school and everything and I'm just I'm in this funky space. Um I'm hoping you can't hear the people that are neighboring me because they're making a lot of noise. But anyways, I'm in this space where a lot is going on and I'm getting a lot of questions asking me about like what are you going to do soon because like my program ends in like eight months or maybe seven months at this point so I'm in this space where people are asking me oh so what are your plans like what are you trying to do with your degree and I'm like that is really a future of minor problem because I and it's so like interesting because I thought at this point like I would know exactly what I wanted to do but I feel like now I know even less about what I want to do with my life, which is frightening and terrifying to say the least, but again, that is a future minor problem. present or minor is not involved. Another thing that has happened since the last time I spoke to you is I am now twenty three whoop poop Scorpios where you are um my birthday was on the twenty seventh so I have now entered my Jordan year, as they call it, so yeah, it was actually it was a very different birthday. Actually, if I'm being very honest, I think I've spent the past few years making a big hurrah about my birthday. And um, this year I was like, you know what? No expectations. Because I find like whenever you make expectations, even with the best of intentions, it always leaves room for disappointment. And so I was like this year, no expectations. We'll just see like, you know, where the wind blows and takes us. And honestly it was actually just the best day Um, I went to church my roommate took some amazing pictures of me I went to watch Hustlers which is such a good movie actually Um, kind of one of those like in like you go and indulge yourself in the movie Um, and then Denny's does like free breakfast so I went to Denny's Um, and honestly I've been feeling I had been and still to some extent i've been feeling really down and lonely and i think there's nothing like a birthday to really remind you of the people in your corner and the people who care about you and just want the best for you um so shout out to all my friends and family shout out to all my friends who kept me company the whole day even though they're not physically with me um this year i'm grateful for facetime because such an amazing thing especially group facetime so shout out to all my friends who were with me, even though they weren't actually physically with me. And shout out to my friends who were physically with me because they went to dinner with me, which was so nice. Um, And it was just, it was a very, I was very content. I think that's like the best way to explain it. I was very content and very grateful. So yeah, shout out to all my friends and family. I really love you and appreciate you all. So on this week's episode, I'm going to do the corny things of discussing 23 things. You get it? Because I'm 23. Um, (laughs) And due to my love of television that I have explained on this podcast on multiple occasions, a lot of these points are from TV shows. Um, So let's get started. Number one, sometimes square one is not a bad place to be. I don't remember what show this is from and at first i was i wasn't sure how exactly i felt about this but now because like so basically the way i laid out this episode in my head was i just have the 23 things written down and very unlike type a of myself i do not like i don't have too many things like as like subheadings so hopefully i don't rant because i have a very bad habit of just ranting sometimes so basically that's a caveat so number one sometimes square one is not a bad place to be um i think on my episode to be or not to be i explained how i spent my first degrees in biology and i was planning on going to med school and if you haven't listened to it it's actually a good lesson so you should but basically um i'm now doing my masters in social work which is a complete 360 from what like i thought i would be doing in my life and to some extent it was a square one because One, I had no idea what social work was. I was living in a different place. I didn't know anybody here. I don't have any family in Canada. So it was definitely, to some extent, a square one. And it was was scary and still, to some extent, it is. But I think, I definitely do agree with this point that sometimes square one is not a bad place to be because I think it really gives you the opportunity to really reflect on your life and where you want to be. Um, Because I think we spend so much of our lives building up this idea of who we are and who we're going to be. And sometimes it takes, you know, moving to a new country, starting a new program, meeting new people to really push you to reflect on, you know, the foundations of your belief systems about your life and who you're going to be. Um, And I think, you know, moving here and starting a new program and meeting new people really did push me into reflecting on... You know, what do I really want to do with my life and, you know, the person I'm becoming as opposed to the person I was and the person I am. Um, So yeah, sometimes scale one is not a bad place to be. Number two, who you are today is so different from who you were yesterday. Um, One of my profs said this and it really, it was like literally in the middle of class and it was on something, I don't even remember the context of how she said it um but i really did resonate with it because i think i've said on this podcast a few times that who i am today is so different from who i was last year um and in so many ways in you know how secure i am in myself and how grounded i am in my beliefs in my ideas and my ideals for my future and my ambition and my drive and all those things like Obviously, there's still a foundation that still remains the same, no matter what, but I think to a certain degree, I've really changed and i'm I'm so excited for the person for the woman I am becoming and kind of excited to see who I will be this time next year so i I really do think who you are today is so different from who you were yesterday um and I think it's something not to be afraid of or you know hesitant about, but really to be excited for. Um, Number three is we can only control what we can control. I don't remember what this is from. I'm pretty sure I heard it somewhere Um, But a PSA is like I overthink everything I don't know why it's a big issue that I'm trying to work through and I bring it up because my overthinking nature makes it so that most of the time I'm not able to live in the moment and in the present, however hard I try, and I think it goes back to this point of you can only control what you can co- control because, um, because I overthink everything. I, I I'm I'm also a control freak, which is something I've recently come to terms with. And it's so hard to live in the present in a way that is freeing when you are trying to control everything around you. And I find those spaces, those like very minute spaces in my life where I have actually genuinely let off control have been so freeing and so exhilarating because it leaves you in a space where you are open to the idea of whatever is possible and I think that is such an amazing place to be Um, so yeah you can only control what you can control which really is easier said than done but I definitely am looking forward to seeing how this plays out into the woman I'm becoming. Um, Number four, your voice is the one thing that no one can take from you. I, obviously, starting a podcast, I really believe in the integrity of your voice and the importance of using your voice. And I think in this life, so many things knock you down, you know, whether it's like school or work or, you know, grief. There's so many things in this life that knock you down, but your voice is the one thing that no one can take from you and I think one of the major reasons why I, no matter what seems to get me, I guess, distracted away from this podcast, the reason why I keep coming back is because I know no matter what happens in my life, my voice is the one thing I can, you know, I can hold on to. And this podcast, I'm so grateful for it because it gives me the opportunity to use that thing. Um, So yeah. Your voice is the one thing no one can take from you. Number five, it's so easy to what what you don't have. Like they say, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? And I will give you a very quick example of this. I've been wearing glasses for 10 years at this point. And I recently, or I had tried wearing contacts maybe two, three years ago, and it didn't work out. And I recently needed, you know, to get new glasses. So I was like... I got you know a prescription for contacts and I got contact lenses, but at the time I couldn't afford to buy new glasses, so as I started wearing these contacts and I was cool with it at first. I was like, hey, like I I'm no I don't have to wear glasses. This is cool, blah blah blah. And then it was a weekend and I finally paid for the glasses and I was waiting for the glasses to come, and then two weeks in, three weeks in. Long story short, like things kept happening with the glasses which left me stuck with the contacts and. It was like a month in and I was at this point like begging, like, where are my glasses? I need my glasses right now. And it was a very interesting point to be in because I had spent all this time wishing for the glasses to go away and wishing for contacts because I thought they were exactly what I needed. And now I had the contacts and I was like shouting for my glasses. And it's a trivial example, but I think it really does explain this idea of it's easy to work what you don't have. Because I think I've said on this podcast before, maybe if I haven't, comparison is literally the silent devil. You look at someone and you're like, oh, I wish I had this. Or not even someone, you look at something and you wish you had it. You look at, you know, things and you're just like, oh, I wish I had this. I wish I had that. But it's really interesting because if you switch the lens, you realize that everyone almost goes through that same motion. But I think it's important to recognize and acknowledge the fact that it it really is so easy to say I want that without recognizing the full gravity of what wanting that thing or what having that thing really means. Um, So I think it's a very important point for us to recognize how easy it is to say something you want without recognizing like what comes with actually having it. Um, Number six, you can always go back home. All you have to do is knock. Um, I've recently started watching Designated Survivor, um, as a recommendation from my mom and it's honestly such a good show. Um, and this is where I actually heard this line from and I think for me being a child of the world, as I explained in the last episode, it's the idea of home is a very interesting and complex notion, um, and... I think for me, this line really hits close to home because of the fact that home is such a complex notion, but it's also comforting to know that home is, home, as they say, is where your heart is, right? So if, if for me, it's Nigeria, for me, it's, you know, with my friends in Maryland, I think I rest in the fact that if I wanted to go home to either of those places, all I had to do was was knock and, you know, those people who love me and care about me will be there to catch me, um, which I think is just such an amazing, um, an amazing concept to rest in. Number seven is grief is a ritual you have to engage in. And this is also from Designated Survivor. Um, and in the scene, I guess the actors go on to talk about how Um, I think it's a therapist talking to one of the main characters and the therapist goes on to say you need to find a concrete way to acknowledge your grief if not you will just be treading water and eventually what happens is you drown because you tread water for long enough and your feet your legs get tired and you drown right and it's interesting because so I my dad passed away six years ago now and I've kind of rushed through life since then um, and I don't know if I've necessarily engaged in grief. And there's actually... I I did a an episode on grief with my friend Olivia and we spent all this time talking about grief and what it meant for both of us individually and what it meant for us, you know, since the loss of loved ones. And I think it it's one thing to talk about grief and it's another thing to actually engage in it. It's one thing to acknowledge it and it's one thing to actually sit and engage in it because it's such... It's such a horrible horrible thing to fathom and even and like even just the idea of engaging in it is so horrid that even the sort of having to do is is even more terrifying and i think but i think it's so important because what happens is if you don't engage with it it follow, because it follows you regardless but if you don't engage with it you run the risk of having it pull you pull you down um and so, yeah, I definitely think it's something you have to engage with. I'm I'm at that point in my life where I recently started going to therapy again. And my counselor is really, she's knocking on the door and trying to open this door that holds all my pain from losing my dad. And in one, like on one hand, I don't like I, I, I need her not to open it because I don't know if I can go there. But the, on the other hand, like as an aspiring social worker, if that's what you're all gonna call me, I think I, I know the importance of going there. Um I remember when my dad passed away and I went home from the burial. We were at the um so we were at the burial and my mom was like, Do you guys wanna see him? And I remember at first being like, No, of course like in my head I was like, Of course not, why would I want to see him? And then it dawned on me that was probably the last time I was gonna be able to see his face. And I guess in my own my 16-year-old mind at the time, that was maybe an attempt to engage in the understanding that I had to say goodbye to this person. That was such a great part of my life. And maybe that was my preamble to engaging in grief, something that I halted very quickly after that. But I think about that moment and what it meant for me to look at his face and say goodbye. And in in that we engage in the grief I was feeling and would continue to feel um so yeah definitely think it's a ritual that you have to engage in and it, it's almost like a voluntary or involuntary thing it catches up to you anyway so i think there's something to say for confronting it full force which honestly trust me it's not easy um, number eight Lowering fists. There's so many beautiful things we can't see because our hands are in front of our face. And this is from the Taraji G. P. Henson movie, What Men Want, and basically her father is talking to her about how she's had her fists up for so much of her life that she can't see the beautiful things in front of her. And for me, it resonated with me because I hate being vulnerable. And this comes from childhood and teenagers of just feeling horrible about myself and insecurities and... I will get into that on another episode, but I think um, I've mentioned on here one time my roommate made this joke that I have soldiers who guard my heart. And I, I genuinely, I laughed at the time, but I genuinely think it's, it's very true. And the issue with having, with being so guarded and, you know, having a fear of is you do in fact miss the beautiful things because you are not willing to leave the space for because of your fear of vulnerability, you are this guarded hard shell and you're not able to soften up enough to see the beautiful things in front of you. Um, and I think that's such a dangerous place to be. So i I'm, I'm definitely, and I think I'm working through that in therapy as well. I'm definitely at this place where I'm trying really hard to soften up enough, you know, I, I, and it's a gradual process, right? I'm not just gonna, you know, Crack in one day or explode in one day. It's a gradual process that I'm going through and softening up So that I am able to appreciate the beautiful things I have in my life Number nine, I need to prioritize my life better. This is also from what men want and um, When I heard this I thought more so in in terms of friendships so at this point I have friends that live in multiple countries around the world and I find it so easy to get so occupied with your life and your problems and what's going on that and it's almost you rest in the fact that your friends are friends for life and they will always be there which you know is is true to some extent but I think it's also you know that something something is to be said for acknowledging that you have to prioritize those important things in your life because after a while when you stop prioritizing someone they also stop prioritizing you Um, and I think this is something I've really had to, I've had to like sit with because I find when my life gets really busy and I'm feeling very overwhelmed, I put my fist up and I go to the corner and I'm not, I'm not very receptive to people calling or texting me. And it's such a bad habit because everybody goes through stuff and it's not fair for me to just, Almost just be selfish in just like trying to figure out my stuff. Although I do recognize that to a certain extent, you know, you have to put yourself first in some cases, but it's also important to prioritize the people in your life who matter. Um, Number 10. It's fine to just live in the now, but the best thing about now is there is another one tomorrow. Um, This is from a movie called Spectacular Now that I watched like two weeks ago. And basically from this... What I got is you have to start making moments count, recognizing that, you know, you there is always tomorrow, but at the same time, tomorrow is not guaranteed. So you have to live in the now, in right now, stay like staying in the present and embracing what life has to offer. I find it's one of the hardest things to do, but I think, and obviously I'm no expert at this. But I think it, it, to some extent, is also one of the most rewarding things to do. Um, So, yeah, living in the now. Number 11, there is always a reason not to take the hard road. Um, This is from Chicago Fire. And a follow-up to this point is from something um, I think Barry Allen said in The Flash. And it was like, you can't let the fear of tomorrow keep you from living today. Um, From living today. And I think it's so important because some... A lot of the times, it's it's just easier to do the thing that's easy. Like, it's easier to follow the path that it it just seems... It's easier to follow the path that seems um, easier. I'm repeating words, but I think you get what I mean. Um, But I think sometimes doing it scared um, and confronting the fear of whatever the harder road has to offer is more rewarding. And again, I'm not an expert at this in no way. But I do... I think the few things I've done scared and the few things I've taken the harder road on have definitely been for me a lot more rewarding um so I think it's something I'm working on um definitely number twelve what if we simplified things this is also from Chicago fire and it's a very it's not a very long line and really it could be interpreted in a lots of ways but the way I see it is. Sometimes we look at things and they seem so much bigger than they really are. Like you look at a problem or an obstacle that's in front of you and it seems so much bigger and so encompassing that you feel like you can't even figure out how to go through it. But I think there's something to be said about sitting down and, you know, simplifying it to some extent. And I, I don't... I'm not here to trivialize anybody's issues. Obviously, sometimes things are hard and there's no way to simplify them. But I think for the things that we, if you are like me and an overthinker, overthink, I think there's a lot to be said about, you know, tackling it in a simple way and simplifying things so as not to feel as overwhelmed. Number 13, everyone looks at things through a filter. This is from a show called Ball, which is also a good show. Um, I think this is a very important thing to know, especially in this world of, I will take social media, for example, um, Instagram. So someone's Instagram page can look as aesthetically pleasing as they choose. You know, it can have all the nature and all the travel, but you don't know what they're actually going through, right? You only know what they've set forward. So someone has put this picture of, for example, them and their significant other, and they're in Morocco and they're having the best of times. You don't know what happened five minutes before or even five seconds before that picture. They could have gotten in the biggest fight ever before they took that picture and you don't know because you're looking at it through a filter. So I think it's very important for us to, you know, recognize and acknowledge the fact that sometimes what we see is a filtered version of reality and at that point it's not reality, it's a fantasy. And to rest with that means to sit with the idea that sometimes, even in ourselves, we have to pull back the filter and really, really sit with the uncomfortable reality of who we are, which is, is not, again, I think everything in, on this list is easier said than done. Um, Number 14 is um, Julie, um, Julie Andrew said this, Julie Andrew said this on the late show, um, my health, my head is filled with clutter And I needed it clear and she said this in reference to she she has a recent memoir and in the memoir she talks about how she has to go to therapy because her head was so cluttered and she needed to clear it it out and the reason why this is on the list is because as I said I recently started going to therapy again and I haven't been in two years and I, I kept saying I was going to go but I never ended up going until one day I was like this is ridiculous and I went and i think this really did resonate with me because i do feel to a very large extent that my head is currently filled with a lot of clutter in the in the sense that i there's a lot going on in with just where i am in my life career wise and like just in general i feel like i'm in this transition period and i need help decluttering in the sense that i need help making sense of What is going on in my life? And I don't think there is anything wrong with that. I think therapy is so underrated um, Especially in the African context, but even in general um, So that's why this is on the list number 15 Sometimes in life all we can do is live with the consequences live with the mistakes and move forward This is from the flash. I I think my first episode back after the break was Or maybe it was Jez Akilo. I can't remember which episode exactly I was talking about. Just living with mistakes made and how sometimes if you are not able to almost not brush it up, but acknowledge and let it go, mistakes made can really pull you down. And I went through that a lot this summer with just figuring out, like, moving from job to job and being financially unstable. And so I think the notion of Just living with the consequences of mistakes made. Again, it's easier said than done. But I think there's something to be said about one's ability to keep it pushing, even when you feel feel tied down by your mistakes. Number sixteen, a condition does not define a person. Um, in this, I was thinking, can't remember where I heard it, but I think the first thing I thought of, I thought of was um depression and i'm like not to say that i have depression or i'm formally diagnosed with depression which in, in either way like if i was or if i wasn't really is not the point um but i think the reason why i say that is sometimes so i've had these episodes um that i've previously discussed on this podcast for years and there was a point in time where i use them to define myself so I was this moody person. And in a lot of ways, it was me using these episodes to define myself in a lot of ways was because of what I was getting externally from people around me. Um, but I, I was using these episodes to define myself for a really long time. And I've gotten to a place where I, I don't necessarily do that anymore. Um, I'm okay with the multitudes of multitude of... I'm okay with the complexity of myself in that I am not just one thing. Um, But I think a lot of times, especially in the case of mental health issues or even some personality traits, it's so easy to see yourself defined as one thing. And I think it's so important as individuals for us to realise the just complexity of, of ourselves and the uniqueness in how those complex things come together. Um, number 17, it's okay to ask for help is not a sign of weakness. This isn't from a TV show per se, but more so just from my life. I, I, I really don't like being vulnerable. It's like one of my, I think it's one of my just, I just, it's something I just don't like to do. I don't like showing weakness. And I think it just comes from, you know, high school being very emotional and getting, Teased about being emotional. I've just gotten to a point where I just like, I think being vulnerable is, is just a sign of weakness, and asking for help in that sense is also a sign of weakness. But I think there's something to be said about the strength it takes to ask for help, to be in a position where you know you cannot do it by yourself, so you rely on the people around you. And I'm so grateful to have people around me that I know will be there if I need help. But again, I'm struggling with this idea of what it means to be. To not be able to do something by yourself is not a definition of who you are. And I think that's what I'm struggling with. My inability to do something by myself for me um is is a what is the word I'm looking for? Is a testament to who I am. And I think I negatively I negatively relate one to the other. And I'm really in this place in this place where, with the help of therapy, I'm figuring out that just because I'm not able to finish something or do something doesn't mean I'm any less of a person and it's a struggle but you know I'm a work in progress um oh wait I feel like I'm now on number 18 and I never said so the title of this episode is work in progress because all of these things are things I'm currently working through and um so yeah, so yeah, basically that's the title of the episode as I now move on to number 18. Um you do not get to cheat the grieving process and this is from the flash and this really does relate back to number 7 about how grief is a ritual you have to engage in. You don't get to cheat the grieving process. You just don't. Um I I really thought I could, which is why I think I just after my dad passed I kind of just like was going full speed ahead. And I would hit bumps in the road, but I was always able to just, you know, brush it up and brush it off and keep going. And I've gotten to a point in my life where because of how almost in limbo life is, I think I've i got to a point where I have I've been confronted with the idea of what my grieving process looked like and is going to continue to look like. Because for me, I truly do believe that grief is a lifelong thing. I don't think there's a time limit to it. I I don't think time heals all wounds. I think time makes it so that your grieving process evolves. Um, But you can't cheat it, definitely not. Number 19 is also from The Flash. Um, Sometimes pushing myself to avoid what scares me the most that I might never get over this. And this relates to the grieving process. Um, I I really do think over the past six years, I've really just been pushing myself hard enough so that I don't have to sit still long enough to really engage with my grief. Um, so going to school, working, going to school, working, doing other things. Uh, for me, if I moved fast enough, then it wouldn't catch up. And I'm at that point where it's caught up and I'm confronted with the idea that I might never get over this Um, and I think the thing is maybe maybe I wouldn't right the worst thing that could happen is I wouldn't get over this but I think in some ways I don't think I will ever get over this because my dad was such an important part of my life I don't think it's even logical to think I would ever be able to get over the fact that he's not here and he's not gonna be here for all the important things Um, graduating from grad school you know getting a new job, moving, getting married, having children. I don't think that's something you get over, but I think it's something you work through. Um, Number 20 is also from The Flash. Um, I really like that show, if you cannot tell. I don't think I'm cut out for joy. I think the reason why this is on this list is because to a certain degree, over the past six years again, and even maybe before that, I've battled with the idea of whether or not i'm worthy enough to have joy in my life um when you lose someone i think you battle with this even more because for you it's like how can you ever be happy again when the person you love is gone and i definitely do believe i'm caught out for joy i think i'm i'm worthy of all the love in the world and i'm worthy of all the love i i currently have um not to say I I'm, I take it for granted because I definitely don't because I know a lot of people don't have that. But I'm definitely very grateful for it and I know I'm definitely worthy of it. So I do in fact think I'm cut out for joy. But the reason I put this on the list was because I know I've spent a lot, a lot of my life thinking I'm not worthy of joy and I'm not cut out for joy. Number 21, no guarantees of anything, just the effort. This is from blue blue bloods I think it's very important to to realize and to acknowledge the fact that nothing is guaranteed in this world you can try your hardest which is what the effort is but it doesn't mean anything is going to anything is going to happen the way you think is going to happen life happens in such mysterious and spontaneous ways that I don't think we can actually ever fully prepare for what life has to bring us but I think the efforts in navigating and managing that is what really matters. Number 22, we are not defined by our difficulties but how we respond to them. This is from designated survivor as well and I think this ties into number 16 of a condition is not, does not define a person. Um, Again, I define myself by the difficulty of having this mood episodes for so long Um, and I think that determined how I was responding to them because I was almost letting them engulf who I was and my personality. And I'm grateful because I think I'm I'm at a space where I still have them, I'm working through them, but I, I recognize that they are not who I am and how I respond to them is what defines who I am as a person. Um so I'm I'm very thankful for that. And number 23 is also from Designated Survivor, and it is I am the best thing since sliced bread. And the reason why I thought to end this um, list with this one was because, as I said, I've I've battled insecurities for a really long time. And I still do. But I'm grateful because I feel like I'm in a more secure place than I've ever been in my whole life. And I do truly believe I am the best thing since sliced bread. Um, I think I have a lot to offer the world and a lot to offer myself, most especially. Um, so... That's why I decided to end it with that one because sometimes it's so easy to get wrapped up in all the things you aren't and all the things you are never going to be in your mind or of who you want to be and to get boggled down by this idea of who you want to be. And sometimes, all the time actually, I think it's so important that you sit down and you know really reflect on how worthy you are of everything you have in your life and how and rest in the gratitude of everything you have in your life and I think that definitely does make a difference in shaping how you view things Um, so that's actually those are the 23 things I have for you the 23 areas of progress or the 23 areas I'm working towards I mean I don't know what I'm saying anyways those are the 23 things I have for you after my 23rd birthday ignore the past two minutes i don't know what i was going with at that point um thank you so much for listening um if you are listening thank you for the people who have listened people who are new to listening people who are going to listen i am so grateful for this platform it means the world to me that you take time out of your busy days to listen to me talk on and on um for 30 40 45 minutes i, I don't think i could ever explain how grateful i am please i want to hear from you i don't have any questions this week or okay, I do have a question. No, I lied. What is the one thing you took out of this episode? One thing. It could be more than one if that's what you have. But one thing you took out of this episode. Please, I want to hear from you. Let me know what you think. And these next two weeks, hopefully, is two weeks, and not three weeks or a month. Don't forget to be unapologetically intentional. I love you. God bless.